Reverse Genius episode 40, Fortnightly There Will Be Tears. In this episode, Bob Wyman talks about the Great Pottery Throwdown, John Manis talks about Rat Queens, Don talks about the repair shop. Hey, do you know you can go over to podpledge.com and search for Inverse Genius and you'll see our Podpledge page. All that money goes to help support the ongoing podcasting costs and we truly appreciate it. Thanks. And welcome to another Inverse Genius Fortnightly. I'm Donald Dennis and you can find me wandering cluelessly all over the internet as Walsfio. Today I am thrilled to bring back a repeat guest host person like guy john john manis of the swarmcast hey everybody how's it going it's me john uh yeah look for me on swarmcastpodcast.com or i guess uh here a lot of the times now lately we are trying to fold you into the uh the whole thing here so that you might just say you know i'm gonna do podcasts for them instead of doing your own podcast hmm We'll see. It's easier to get us to participate. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Enough of that nonsense. (laughs) And, and we are bringing up a, a man who threw my, uh, it's hard to call it a career when you don't get paid through my longtime experience. Podcasting has become someone I consider a dear friend and one of the players in my role-playing game, uh, Bob Wyman, Bob, welcome. Hi. Is, is it okay to say your last name? Do I need to edit that out? No, you can totally say my last name. My last name's Wyman, and it's just as unspellable as my nickname, Scoliologist. So it doesn't matter whether you say it out loud or not. And where can you be found on the internet? I'm Scoliologist on Board Game Geek, and I'm Bob Wyman on Twitter, and those are probably the best choices. Nice. All right. If we link, it'll be to the Twitter. All right. So, uh, Gentlemen, what have you been up to lately? Has there been anything exciting you've watched? I know that I want to talk about some stuff we've talked about before, like uh, like the Winter Soldiers. Is that something you've all seen? Heck yeah. Yes, I'm very excited. <laughs> nice. So none of us has seen the one that dropped the weekend that this episode is releasing. So right. when we don't know what's going on, that's why. We're going to blame that instead of our usual reasons. Yeah. Uh, so. So quick update. Oh, oh, what do y'all think about it? Where are you on the winter soldierness? I'm for it. I approve. I guess I should say Falcon <laughs> and the winter soldier. I shouldn't leave off half of the group. You should also, cause to be honest, Falcon speaks more to me. Like he's, I feel like he is carrying the show right now. Right. It's like you have one of them. that's basically the sexy sullen sulker in the background. Who's just there to be pretty. Uh, and occasionally beat people up. And then you have the other one who's the uh, snarky face guy, which, you know, there you go. That's me too. <laughs> John, you? <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. Falcon's definitely the, he's the, the, the guy that he's the cool guy in the group. Um, Winter soldier, definitely the one who just stares at everything as he says. He <laughs> does. Uh, so I will say that uh, I have listened to all kinds of podcasts from all kinds of people about it. And I feel like I can adequately judge people based on their response to the show Winter uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because okay. um, there are people who who don't like it because they say, "Oh, well, this issue is uh, you know this writing issue is a little flat or whatever." It's like, okay, fine, that's that's cool. I can't judge you on your taste in writing, but there are folks who let's just say that they're they're regressive in their politics. 
but I guess that's not what the show's about. Huh. I shouldn't be judging people huh. here. Um, that uh, most of the folks I know like it or love it. Uh, very mm-hmm. few people hate it. And there are some folks who are kind of, well, it's not what I was looking for. So real quick summary, John, how would you describe it for people who want to go into it expecting the right thing? How would I describe it? Uh, yes. It is a it is a murder mystery. No, it's um, it's not a murder <laughs> mystery. It's that's later. That, that joke will that joke will pay off at the end of this show. Um, it is definitely more of if you like the Winter Soldier movie, the Captain America Winter Soldier, the movie, mm-hmm. you'll you'll love this show because it's a whole lot more of that. It's, right. it's it's just really amped up, and it brings a lot of questions. Like, what does it mean to be the person who wields the the shield of Captain America? Um, right. A lot of really great, a lot of really great questions in that. Uh, a lot of morality behind what it means to be Captain America, to be a symbol, as it were. Indeed, uh, Bob. Any thoughts? Well, I, I think that it's it's uh, going along with that. It's a bit of an anti terrorism plot uncovering you know it has a, a certain mm-hmm. feel that's a little like 24 uh you know there's something is happening they're trying to uncover what's going on and there are multiple characters some of some are definitely not good people but maybe useful at the moment type people and uh mm-hmm. some some people that are supposed to be good are going to descend into not good things right i would say that the one thing that i know that people should keep in mind is that They've cut out an entire plot line about a virus uh, <laughs> from, from, yes, they cut out, yeah, a, a big chunk of the movie or not mo- movie. It does feel like a movie. Mm-hmm. It feels like every episode is like 20 minutes in a normal movie. And that, uh, so they cut out a big chunk and they have still managed to make a coherent and interesting event. And it's a buddy cop sort of investigative thing. And, and I like it. So um, previously we did talk about Nine Night for, with Eric. And the only thing I have to say about that is I was at work and the computers were pestering me for updates. And I noticed that it was because, well, we have no internet connection, but it was night, 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 night that was telling us, oh, you need to do it. So our IT guy apparently already knew about this and was using that software that Eric recommended to, to do your updates and installs. Oh, very cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Also, I'm still playing a lot of Valheim. I have a server. If you're particularly interested or excited about it, uh, contact me at Walsfio somewhere and let me know. But enough about miscellanea and looking back, let's look forward. Uh, Bob, what have you got that you're excited to talk about? I'm excited because there's a new season of the great pottery throwdown that Ooh, came raw. up a little bit. It's on HBO. If you have HBO, uh, mm-hmm. I believe there is still a season available on Netflix question mark. I um, never saw it on Netflix. So maybe, Maybe um, there. This is the fourth season, and there was a big hiatus between seasons one and two and season three. But this one is current. Uh, they, as with many reality shows, they sort of did a a um, broadcast bubble where the people in the show and er- everyone associated with the show uh, had all been tested and were all sort of sequestered from the rest of the outside world while they were putting on the show. Um, and it's in the style of the Great British Bake Off. It's by the same uh, production company as the Great British Bake Off. I'm told it is in oh, the is same, it? yeah. And I'm told it's in the same style as the Great British Sewing Bee, which I've never, I don't think exists in the U.S. As far as I know, 
sewing. Who would be I, interested? When I heard about the Great oh British gosh. Sewing Bee, <laughs> we looked for it hard on uh, on YouTube, and we only found people talking about the episodes. We couldn't find even really a good advertisement for it on YouTube, so that was annoying. Yeah, so that's a that's a mysterious thing that if somebody wants to uh, clue me in on, that'd be great. But the Great Pottery Throwdown, it so it's a amateur potters pottering like you know making clay stuff and firing it in kilns and things like that and and it's it's got sort of the similar feel of there's a big challenge every week somebody's going to win every week somebody's going to get kicked off every week uh it's the competitors are not backstabby or saying but his was lousy you shouldn't kick me off you should kick him off there's none of that they're all very supportive of each other uh the scenery and the setting is sort of important in the sense that, like they have a lot of in- shots of the the big pottery works where they are doing their shooting in um mm-hmm. and it's and it's got that kind of educational angle where they're trying to let you the audience know what you know, this is the history of where this pottery technique came from, or uh, this is the sort of industrial thing that got made in the 1920s a lot, or, you know, kind of fill you in on what's happening. This is how bone china is really made. That was a big eye opener. <laughs> no like, kidding. <laughs> the, the, the host said, so why is it called bone china? Is, does it have like bone in it? And clearly every potter knew the answer to this because they all looked at her and said, Yes. And she, her eyes just got huge. <laughs> she was like, oh, oh, I didn't mean to step in it there. <laughs> You're all ghouls. Go ahead, make pots. <laughs> That's right. it, it was, it, and it is, for those of you who don't know, I think it's mostly cow bones, but I'm sure that probably also horse bones and pig bones are put in there too. Um, but it's, it's the ash from those bones is, is part of the thing. So you can't use bone china and be vegan is all I'm saying. It's true. And but you know, bone china is harder to get a hold of than like you know, clay. A leather belt. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 Then I, a leather I also, belt. <laughs> I, I will also say that uh, season three had my least favorite host, um, and uh, that season four the host is pretty good, and the folks who are there with them, the I like the judge. They they elevated a a person on the TV, uh, one of the other folks who were first part of the process up to be one of the judges. And so I, I really like this season. Yeah, it's neat. So let me put some names to those. Uh, the host for season four is Siobhan McSweeney, who you might know from Dairy Girls. And if you don't know her from Dairy Girls, Dairy Girls is another fortnightly that will eventually come up because it's awesome. We'll get to that. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, but sh- she is a, a comedian and she's hilarious. Um, the the new host, uh, the new judge that got elevated from being the technician was uh, Richard Miller. And he, uh, I, I, my secret understory, I don't know if this is true, but I think that the opening <laughs> sequence uh, is him. They don't show a face, but they have an opening sequence of someone making a pot as sort of just the opening uh, credits. Mm-hmm. And I'm convinced that those are his hands. Well, you should be able to tell by looking at them if there's even a chance of that, but I never looked that closely. Seriously? Um, like now I can't not, you know, like I'm convinced it's him. But um, oh, I, I believe you. <laughs> um, so one of the big pulls on the the uh, Great Pottery Throwdown is that uh, unlike Paul Hollywood of the Great British Bake Off, who is 
taciturn and emotionally distance and scowly from a great distance and up close. Uh, that Richard, right? It's Richard. Um, Keith. Keith is. I know you're talking about Keith. Oh, it's Keith. Yes, it's Keith. <laughs> Keith Reimer Jones. That's the one. Um, is we'll just say he is over full with emotion, and in the first season, when you first see him tear up over just how cool he thinks something that someone has done, you're like, oh, that must be really something special. And then about the 87th time you see it, you're like, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, Keith. So- I love you like a sibling, but please don't. But so. Keith, I love I love Keith, and I love that he's a crier. So it's worth pointing out. Yes, Keith is enormous. Like Keith is a big, like he is a potter. He's a professional potter, and I'm pretty sure that that he could crush me with a back muscle because <laughs> he's. Oh big. yes. Um, but the and and it's interesting because my son is watching the beginning, like season one, right now, mm-hmm. and. And they were much more aggressive than they are now in the sense that like during a challenge, the judges were yelling at the, at the, the amateur potter saying, come on, come on, get one more, you know, throw one more cup, one more cup. You got five seconds. Go, go, go. (laughs) And they're, they're a little bit more, more friendly, like, like a little bit less, you know, uh, coaching and, and a little bit more supportive. Uh, than they they were at the beginning, but yeah, Keith cries, and and I I love him for it because he will cry because somebody, you know, they they have challenges just like the bake show challenges where they've been in the pottery room for a day, you know, for mm-hmm. hours at a time trying to make an enormous pot, and sometimes something flops over and you, something falls and you got to start over again, but there's a lot of confidence challenges you know that that these amateur potters are all wondering if they can do it and when the the first time you see keith tear up is when he says you had no confidence in yourself and you made this and it's beautiful it's fantastic and so right you know sometimes it's them but i'm convinced he is moved by the craftsmanship of pottery there was a time when he he picks up the pot and he looks at the other judge with this look of wonderment of feel it. It's so light. You know, he will tear up. Oh, I just watched that episode. <laughs> it, it, it's so, and it like, it was like, Whoa, like, because you're convinced he knows how hard it is to get that, to do what it does. And, and, and I, I have to clarify my position is I would not, I don't think the show would be nearly as good if, if he didn't have that sort of emotional response, I just sort of wish that he could dial it back by about a half. <laughs> I think he does too. I mean, <laughs> he's- because it, it feels like that at the drop of anybody's hat, he is welling up with, with emotions. But on the other hand, I much prefer all of his reactions to uh, most of the reactions on, we'll just say forged in fire or the, the, the blown away, the glass one from, from the judges there. And so I think that it's, it's amazing. And obviously he is such a, and he's so skilled, right? Because he'll do the demos and go, Oh, well you want to do the inverted, the inverted chuckle bucket, blah, 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 flip, flap, (laughs) all all the, all the clay goes up five feet, spreads out, comes back in on itself. And now you have a Mobius strip, right? Which is not something he did, but that's what it feels like when you watch it. Like, Oh, pottery is easy watching this guy. Anybody can do it. And that's the trick is, 
anybody can do it, but he has so much skill and experience that it is pretty amazing. And I, Bob, I love this pick. We've talked about doing a, um, what is it? Sort of a, a competition educational show thing for Inverse Genius for a long time. So I'm I'm glad a new episode season came out and that you're able to talk about this. John, have you seen this yet? I have not, but mm. um, I have seen the episode of Community where uh, he signs up to take a pottery class, and the only rule <laughs> is, and and the only rule they have is that you're not allowed to reenact any of the the scene from Ghost. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My unrelated to the seed from ghosts. My wife took a pottery <laughs> class in craft in um, grad school, and so Great British Bake Off and Great Pottery Throwdown are both interesting to watch with her because mm-hmm. they can start doing something, and I can turn to her and say, "Is that like usual, or is that a thing?" <laughs> and, and she can be like, "Yeah, it, they crack all the time," or "Yeah, Raku is insane. I don't know why it ever works," and stuff like that. Huh. The, uh, the, oh, we're going to do a baked chicken holder. We're going to do a tagine <laughs> and we're going to do a casserole thing. Just be prepared for sadness and crying from everybody. Oh, that was an gosh. amazing episode. Well, um, they talked about a chicken brick. Like that was one of those where I turned to her and said, you cook. Have you ever heard of this before? And she's like, no, <laughs> this must be a weird English thing. <laughs> Connie looked at me and said, you want one, don't you? And I was like, if we had room in the house for one, you know, I would already be ordering one. So you put it on top of your pizza stone in that cabinet where you keep gigantic cooking things. You don't use. Oh no, dude, my pizza stone lives in the bottom of my oven because because it regulates heat. You know, it's, it's a, it does a great job at helping regulate the heat in your oven. I'd never use pizza on it. That's that's silly talk. Right. But well, yeah. maybe that's what the chicken brick is. You should just have the pizza stone and the chicken brick <laughs> around everything you cook. <laughs> Can huh. I get a note from the professor saying that this is a thing? Because <laughs> I will certainly hand it off to Connie. But all right. Well, okay. I think that's enough of that. Uh, the great pottery throwdown has my recommendation as well. Great pick, Bob. John, what do you got for our listeners today? Okay, well, I'm going to talk about a comic book, which is, I think, the Woo. first time I've really kind of done this on this show. Um, this is one I've been meaning to pick up for a while, and I've been getting into it, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And it's called uh, Rat Queens, and it's from Image Comics, or at least it's currently from Image Comics. Um, I'm about halfway through the current trades. There are eight trades out right now, and it's a ongoing series. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But it is a fantasy book. Um, the characters, they're all the the main characters are all uh, female characters. They're they they f- they fit a lot of those. Like uh, if you've played D anD D or things like that, which if you've listened to this show, you're probably familiar with a lot of those tropes. These guys are <laughs> they 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 are an adventuring party. The name of their group is the Rat Queens. Um, I haven't gotten to the point where they've really explained how they got that name yet. So I'm looking forward to that, but they're all a little, little quirky have are, are very much. Um, they're not your, your typical type of group. There's right. the, uh, there's the, the hipster dwarven fighter as they, as they call her. Um, <laughs> do they refer to her as a hipster in the, <laughs> they, they do not. Um, there's, there's these things that they like, 
there's there's the way they describe they're described to get you to read the book, but then I didn't really get a lot of that because um, they don't go full tilt on it. It's there if you're if you're looking on it at, for it, you can pick up on it. So in many respects, that's that's kind of nice. They don't. Um, it's not so so over the top because if it was, it would just be it wouldn't be as good a read. It would just be a, very much just a caricature of what they're trying to sell you. But right. they, so they so they tell you that it's a, a hipster dwarven fighter, and in her case, uh, what that means is she's kind of going against all of her dwarven heritage. Uh, she like the first thing she does is because all dwarves have beards, so she shaves off her beard and she refuses to use an axe. She only uses a sword. She doesn't drink dwarven ale. She only drinks wine, and that's because everybody else does it. So she doesn't want to do it. And there's one point where she sees all these other female dwarves who are shaving their beards and she's like, ugh, well now I'm going to grow mine back. Cause I don't want to be like those guys. <laughs> That's Just funny. not conforming with anything. Right. Uh, they have a, a smidgen who is a, like a halfling uh, thief. And she's, um, <laughs> they say she's a hippie. She's really more just uh she's just, she's very much a happy go lucky kind of a, your, your typical, uh, D and D kind of halfling, just chaos bound up. But she's really into um, psychedelic mushrooms and booze. <laughs> uh, needless well, to say, I will say this, huh? I'm going to go with oh, hippie, but keep going. Okay. Well, I was going to say, let me go and 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 also mention this book is for mature audiences because um, it does uh, have things like it does have things. It does have some language. It has some drug use. It has some other situations. But those aren't the focus of the the book, right? Um, so it's mature for a story. It is not mature for just general lasciviousness, right? Gotcha. Right. Um, the other two main characters so far there's the there's the uh, their human cleric who she's an atheist because <laughs> she does not yeah she does not believe in the deity that she grew up worshiping, but she still uses the power. It's, it's, it's interesting the way they present that. Cause I was wondering how that was going to work. I'm sure their deity is wondering the same thing. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit more complicated when you, when you get into it, but it, but it works out. It's, it's, it makes a lot of sense. And then they're uh, sort of their, their team leader because she's the, the loudest of all of them is the, um, their elven, Elven Mage, uh, as she's kind of a punk rock rockabilly kind of kind of character, very in your face, like not not what you would expect from any fantasy type of elf character at all. She's very much the opposite of that, hmm. um, and she's and and she's very much she's a mage, but she's very much not your typical mage either. Right. They keep asking her about like all these magic runes and things. She's, and she's always like, how would I know that? That's, I don't, I don't know anything about illusions. That's always, well, I'm not going to repeat on this show what she says, cause it would have to be bleeped out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, so, okay. What, what is the overall theme? What is it that with about rat, ke- rat queens that make you go, right. yeah, this is what I'm excited about. Okay, so for for most folks, it's going to be the fact that these are they're all female characters. It's it's definitely very strong uh, female voice, but it doesn't feel like they're really forcing that on you. It doesn't feel like oh, this is a a feminist book, or this is very much just about the the. It's not like it doesn't feel like the main focus is the fact that they are all females. 
but that's definitely a big selling point. Um, the characters, they all have their very unique personalities. They're all, they, they very much represent all the different, uh, more somewhat air quotes, realistic types. Um, so you don't have like the red Sonya, um, chainmail bikini type of, of warrior person, stuff like that. It's, it's presented in a very, it's it's about as realistic as a fantasy book can be. Um, They're all just the characters. They're all very enjoyable and they all have very huge flaws, but, but you get over that because they're all, you know, they're, they're all, they have such great camaraderie and friendship. And, um, and the thing, the realization I come to came to uh, as I'm getting halfway through this is all of these adventures and stuff they're going on. They feel like a D and D or fantasy adventure that, that I personally am running with the <laughs> players that I'm running them for, because there's some really crazy stuff that happens, not necessarily like super over the top comedic or comedy type things, but some stuff that's really kind of out there. Like, um, like, you know, like they might encounter a, a mimic, but the mimic, they just kind of talk to it and convince it to give them the treasure that it's holding. And, and kind of make friends with it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, one one of the characters they 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 have to they have to go through this trial where they're where they have to relive their greatest uh, regret. And of course, the smidgen her greatest regret is that one time that she let her friend eat that meat pie that she was saving for leftovers <laughs> instead of eating herself. <laughs> you know, where, where someone else's like greatest regret is 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 leaving leaving her family to go, you know, to go away and, and, and she regrets not keeping in contact with them. So it's, it's stuff like that. It's right. So I've got to say, looking at, looking at the art, the art looks very expressive. Um, mm-hmm. it also looks like the, the best sort of, if you'd ever gone to deviant art and looked at uh, a bunch of the character art that it's, it's more sort of like that than classic comic booky art. Um, but it looks great. I love sort of the expressiveness and the dynamic, uh, the dynamic art style that's that's in this game, so or in this nut game in this comic. So um, you you brought up a point there, Donald. Though it sounds very much like if you're into role playing games and you're into fantasy role playing already, that the that this is tailor made to sort of address your preconceptions and make it interesting for you. Um, would it be something that maybe somebody who likes Disenchanted, which is also kind of vaguely fantasy themed but mostly matt grinding being funny um is that the sort of thing that they would like this also or yes it's it's definitely not as over the top as disenchanted but it it it, it's um it easily falls within a very similar vein it looks like it's more deeply into fantasy rpg tropes as opposed to just being vulgar fairy tale tropes yes so I like it. I've I have been looking at Rat Queens, thinking, you know, I should check that out for quite a while. But I guess now that you've talked about it on the show, <laughs> I should actually put some put some money behind it. Yeah, and I will say this: with the first um, the first three trades of it mm-hmm. um, are from the first volume, and then after that, trade four starts over with volume two, so it starts back over at issue one. But it's it's a sort of a soft reboot. So 
if you're reading if you're reading them like I are, like I have been, and you get to shoot to the fourth trade, you start off and you're kind of going, wait, what happened to the stuff that was going on at the end of the third mm. trade? It's it's almost like it, it's it's like well, if you kind of um, I don't want to say disregard the last half last part of the third trade, but it's kind of like they say, well, this one kind of takes place. It's a it's 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 a continuation, but let's let's not dwell upon like where we left the third trade on. And part of that's yeah, it's it, 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 it's, it's do a they bit have of a reason for that. Uh, the main reason is one of the writers left after the first series was over, and I think at that point is when Image really picked them up and was really pushing them. So I guess they felt they needed uh, to they do had a producer. <laughs> they they felt they needed to kind of do just a as they called it a soft reboot of it. Right. That those first that first part was the pilot. Now we're going to start a continuing series. But but that being said, it's still it's all still really great. So <laughs> would you say that that I could start with the second part and then if I ever visited your house and uh, when you weren't looking, I could grab them and read them? <laughs> <laughs> or do I need sure to have read the first it. parts? Uh, you don't need to have read the first part, but I would suggest it because it's it's great. It's just a really fun read. Um, mm. So has the uh, indo- indoctrination into the image line, has it adjusted the adult co- quality or the bloodshed or the gore or anything like that? Or is it just kind of continuing on business as normal? Uh, it's pretty much business as normal. <laughs> I think they just – it, it reads, reads more to me like like the fact that they – one of the writers left and maybe they were just kind of like, well, we weren't, it almost felt like where they had ended it. They, they were, it was going to be a bit harder to kind of write their way out of that. And it was more. And so rather than make it, it was kind of going towards a more serious, more dark kind of way. And so this felt like they wanted to bring it back more towards its original feel, its original vibe. All right. Well, that's Rat Queens. I'm going to say thumbs up. That looks good. Um, I didn't know anybody who was reading it. uh, So now I feel like I'm obligated to check it out. Thank you very much, John, for spending my money for me. (laughs) Um, Speaking of spending money, no, um, I want to talk real quick. This is what I've been threatening to do since we started. So I'm going to just get it out of the way real quick here. We don't have a lot of time, but I'm going to talk about butter real quick before I get on to my real choice. And if you have not tried Kerrygold butter, you should go and try it. This is not sponsored. As always, Inverse Genius is not sponsored by anybody. If you would love to sponsor us or even are vaguely interested in sponsoring us, contact me. We'll talk. But um, if you're doing a holiday party or something where you've got to use a delicious butter on a thing, and I, I think if you're putting butter into something, don't bother with Kerrygold. Get your precious butter from, you know, whatever your store brand is, your cheapest brand. It's all the same. Uh, but for delicious, delicious butter on like bread or whatever, Kerrygold butter is amazing. This is totally true. I can I can support this in every respect. I understand that you belong to a different butter faction, though. Well, no. Well, I'm just aware there's also the Plugra, P-L-U-G-R-A butter faction. And I will tell you, that is some sweet, sweet butter also. But uh, like Kerrygold butter, my experience with it was, oh, look, apparently it's from Ireland. Oh. It's not as cheap as other butter, but, um, <laughs> but then if you actually have it, you're like, oh wait, because it's it's good. Like it's 
you know, when, when you hear the scene in uh, Julie and Julia, when mm-hmm. uh, Julia Child is cooking and she smells, she goes, oh, butter. Yes. That's so, Car- that's Kerry Gold butter right there. <laughs> it, it, so it spreads easier. And I think one of the big deals is, is that like American butter gets like up to 82% fat or something. And European or especially the Kerrygold butter starts at eight. Or I mean, American start goes up to 80. They start at 82, right? They go to so, 11, whatever 11 is in that's fat right. content. <laughs> 11 in butter, they're there. Right? So go check out Kerrygold butter. Um, I just, I keep telling Bruce and Eric that I'm going to talk about it. So now that they're not here, I felt like I had to. Uh, but I want to talk to a show that sort of represents, we'll say the fast history of the United Kingdom. Um, and it is a show called the repair shop, which is on Netflix. And I'm sort of doing this as a counterpoint to the, uh, pottery throwdown. And in the repair shop, what happens is that people bring in, we'll say relics of a colonial era, uh, to, to the repair shop and say, could you fix this for me? Uh, our grandkid or me or someone accidentally shot it with a bow and arrow or pushed it downstairs, <laughs> or lit it on fire, or, or whatever. Um, and then they go through sort of the restoration process and show you how it works. In each one of the episodes, there's like three different things that they're showing. And so one of them might be a clockwork something or other. Another one might be a repaired stained glass kit, a uh, window of some sort, and a, or a sign for a town center, all kinds of things like that. The It and the Pottery Throwdown are shows that Connie and I will watch like during that last hour before going to bed because they're sort of soothing, they're interesting, and and they have a little bit of flavor. But every time I see it's like, oh, my great-grandfather brought this back from India, I'm thinking, yeah, we know how we got that. <laughs> some of them are problematic, but I would but honestly, mostly they are I don't I don't know about mostly, but the the restorations are something that has a story that's how they got to be come on the tv in the first place yes but a lot of them are some of them are fascinating some of them are about like uh this was a violin that was smuggled into a con you know that that someone kept in a concentration camp it has been Mm -hmm. through the concentration camp and this is my grandmother's and of course on the one hand i want it functional but on the other hand the fact that it is scarred is important. Like it is important that it not be made to look dressed up and look like nothing happened because something very important happened. Right, right, right. Or five generations or 10 generations have all been um, in this bassinet and we need, would love to have it fix it so that my granddaughter can, you know, be in this bassinet when she is going to be born soon or whatever. And so they have, have delightful stories for some of them. And some of them you go, oh, this was a piracy thing or, <laughs> or this was a, a colonial thing. And th- but all of the people in the show are um, pretty amazing. Like the main host um, is delightful. The, the guy who they have who's doing the woodworking, who looks young and completely out of his depth, does a great job. Um, you know, the fabric arts ladies are pretty amazing. Uh, I just I find it to be pretty cool and the the point is obviously that hey we're going to look at what people already have instead of pushing consumerism 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 and it's it's a lot of fun and that is uh, the repair shop 
on on Netflix. Uh, Bob, I understand you've got a favorite uh, character on the repair shop. So Steve is the Clockworks guy. He is yeah. also the Metal Toys guy. I feel like in some ways he is the. Here's a weird mechanism. No one knows how to fix it. Let's let's bring Steve over. Steve, I'll try it. Right. I'll try anything. <laughs> but Steve, like, oh, is we have a steam powered boat. Right, and and like and Steve is is a consummate. Like he's detail oriented. He's nerdy. He's got thick glasses. I I said earlier he's who I want to be when I grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I one day like. I am not Steve, but I fixed some toys of our kids that broke at some point. And one of our kids said to them, their preschool teacher, when they asked, what's your dad do? Oh, he's a toy magician. (laughs) He brings toys that were broken and makes them whole again. And I was like, I secretly super wish I could be the dad you want me to be because that sounds like the job i want wow yeah. steve, steve is a toy magician you should watch it's amazing he is it, it's it is amazing he's like a uh, i guess you'd call him a whitesmith instead of a blacksmith he works with copper silver gold uh he does um a clock repair i think that's his main job is right he does you know clockwork mechanisms right and and he's pretty fabulous with the detail work i'm like oh Yep, I see what you've got there. I would completely destroy everything that. that <laughs> so you could hand this to me. You would get back scrap metal. And and it's pretty amazing what he does. Um, and I love it when they bring in like a specialty outsider. Like they had the sea chest kind of thing that they were doing. Right. And, and they bring and, in this guy who, holy cow, he he himself looked carved out of wood uh, in front of a restaurant. Exactly. And he shows them how to do the rope work for the handles or whatever it is. and And it's... It's, it's educational and interesting and not at all stressful, uh, no matter how much they try and make you think that there's some question about how these are going to come out. Occasionally, you'll see a repair that, that's done, and you're like, oh, okay, they had to get this done and off their table. <laughs> um, but most of them, it's pretty, it's pretty well done. I like it. Uh, and the people who bring the stuff in don't have to pay to get the repairs done. That's all part of the show being made, that, that the, the show is being paid to be made and it's part of a grant or something. I don't know exactly all the details because it's been three months since I looked it up, but I was pleased to find out that, you know, they don't have to pay to have that painting repaired that what's his name through yard dart through. Right. You know. And they, they have such a good, um, so going back to pottery throwdown, right. One of the things mm-hmm. that's great about the pottery throwdown is they do a really good job at showing the audience, the power uh, and the wonderment at this fine craftsmanship. And they have these great reveals, you know, because somebody brought in a thing. And when they brought it in, it was, here is this wreck. Here is this painting that I'm never going to get rid of, but it is dismal looking. And then there's, then they leave and the repair people do their job. And then they have a big reveal at the end where they lift the curtain off and they show the person what their thing is now. And it's not a thing anymore. It's your great-grandmother. It's your you know, experience of your family and your heritage. It's all of a sudden that teddy bear that you thought was never going to be the same again. It's your teddy bear again. Right. And, right, right, and the, right. the looks of that on their faces is, is always worth the price of admission. Well, and there was one where they were doing a teddy bear and they were like, well, I wanted to send this to my granddaughter, but they live in Australia. And because it has a, um, it has a real fiber, inside i can't send it because it's on the prohibited list and so they pulled all of that stuff out then they replaced it with more modern inside so that it wouldn't be illegal to send it to australia 
but um, you know, they reserved big chunks of it. So it's like, okay, this is, this is how it's going, but it still looks like it's the same bear only it's probably not as uncomfortable to hold. Right. It's not straw <laughs> anymore. You know, so it, it's, it's an amazing show. If you're looking uh, to sort of be mildly educated and, and entertained. Um, and then of course the host, I forget his name. Is it Jay? Jay blades. Oh. Jay blades is um, it's like you always, he's got to be skilled, right? But his, his real deal is fabric. He does, you know, upholstery and all that stuff, but he will come in and try and help the people who are doing whatever it is that they're doing. And you're like, why are you letting him anywhere near that? That looks delicate <laughs> and fragile. Well, um, Oh, I forget her name who does the ceramics, who is also yes. awesome. And she does not right? like, he's like, now you're not going to let me touch this. Are you? And she's like, no, you know, the rules well, <laughs> you come over to my desk, you follow the rules. <laughs> that's the sister of the clocksmith of Steve. No, that's right. No, the sister of Steve is the um, leather worker. She is a master saddle maker, and she does all the leather work. She's awesome. But when you see them together, every once in a while, she and Steve work together, and it's just like, oh, look, brother and sister working together. It's awesome. Nice. So anyway, it's a lot of fun. Recommend it. We are short on time today, so we are not going to do a group gab on a topic uh, so everybody talk amongst yourself and pretend like we had a great conversation and tell us what we talked about um, over on Facebook. If you have found yourself enjoying any of the things that we've talked about on this or previous episodes, please, you know, respond to our Twitter about it. Let people know what you've found through us, uh, you know, or come over to the Facebook group of the inverse genius group and, and talk about what you've discovered. Also, if there's something you think we should be talking about, uh, we'd love to hear more ideas because, you know, I had to reach down for the Kerrygold butter in this episode. So, you know, just how short we are on. You never, you never reach down for Kerrygold butter. It's always <laughs> above that. It really is above me. Pretty much everything's above me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, all right. So that's excellent. Uh, gentlemen, uh, we'll start with you, Bob. Let everybody know once again where you can be found on the wilds of the internet and social internet land. I'm Bob Wyman on Twitter. Uh, that's. Bob like Bob and Wyman is W I E M A N. I'm not trying to be as obscure, but it is hard to spell. Ah, gotcha. And John. All right. Yeah. Uh, you can check me out at swarmcastpodcast.com and you can usually find me in other places. I'm usually known as Cobalt Dude. All right. And once again, I'm Donald. You can find me all over the wilds of the internet as Walsfio. Uh, find me there. Talk to me. Let me know what you think. Goodbye. Guys, thanks for joining me. Thank you. That was fun. Yeah. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.